you turn now as we look to, to this remainder of the passage that really began last Sunday, and as we saw, the tempter is going to tempt. The question then becomes, what are you going to do when the tempter tempts? How are you going to respond? What's going to happen? And so in the second part of this message I've entitled Fighting Hard, as we pick up, we'll review verse 5 all the way through uh, verse 7, but we're really going to focus in on verses 8, 9, and 10. But as you think on this, because of the character and nature uh, of Satan, because of the way he works, and because of what he does, uh, there's, a, there's a place that each one of us now plays in encouraging others. Because you're going to be tempted, you're going to be tested, you're going to go through some adversity, and we'll see these two words again, uh, both in, in affliction, in other words, we're going to go through things that are external, and we're going to go through those things that are distresses, those things which are internal. We are going to go through things. So what is the Lord going to be able to do uh, as, as those things happen in your life and as you respond to the temptations that are going to come your way? And so would you join me and let's pray and ask God to speak uh, through the remainder of this Uh, passage this morning. Father, we thank you for those things which you do in our lives, which are accomplished by your uh, great hand, even in times of affliction. Lord, in times of distress, where the tempter has come, and and Lord, there's been a temptation to us, Lord, to stray from your truth, and you've preserved us. You've worked in our lives. And just as we see in this passage, Lord, let there be a good report Uh, When word comes from our homes, comes from our church, comes from those that we support in the mission field, would it be a good one that we have stood fast? And so, God, we ask that you bless us now as we study in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 5 here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and it says again, reminding us, For this reason, when I can no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means, and we studied this last week, The tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. In other words, we want to stand fast. We want to stay the course. The tempter's going to come, but we don't want to give in to those temptations. We don't want to be pushed away from the things that God has for us. But now that Timothy, verse 6 says, has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, as we also to see you, therefore, brethren... In all of our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning your faith. And so there is a place that as you endure those things that come your way, that you are actually an encouragement to other believers. How you ride out those distresses and temptations, how those things that come and touch your life, the things that you would not pick for yourself, But the Lord has allowed, because he certainly allows the tempter to tempt, the question is, what's going to happen with those things when they come your way? How will they be used for the Lord's glory, for his kingdom purposes? And that becomes the viewpoint from which we move on. And verse 8, now it says, And for now we live, now we become alive, now there's something wonderful that happens to us if you Stand fast in the Lord. 
Now, each one of us has an opportunity while we're here on this earth to minister in other people's lives. For some of us, it's in, you know, this type of an environment where we're sharing uh, studies from the Bible. Maybe it's as a prayer warrior. Perhaps it's in your families. You're sharing your faith with your children. Your children come to faith in Christ. But each one of us has an opportunity to be used. Each one of us has an opportunity to invest in that sense in other people's lives for the kingdom. And notice what the Apostle Paul says. We actually live. It is, it, it is this amazing, wonderful news that we hear that those that we have invested in are standing fast in the Lord. And that phrase, standing fast, is an interesting one. It's actually a nautical phrase. It means to ride out the storm. It means to not be afraid of of the incoming weather. It means to step out onto the bow of the ship, and when the waves are coming, you know that it's going to be okay. To stand fast. Do you realize that you can increase other people's faith by standing fast in the Lord? That when you go through the things that God allows to come your way, and you don't give in to that temptation, when, when you cling to your faith, when you live out your life before people in such a way as to honor God, you actually strengthen other people's walks with the Lord. Notice as he goes on in verse 9, for what thanks can we render to God for you? He's asking a rhetorical question at that point. He says, how can I possibly thank God for what's happened in your life? I look back, I'll have that opportunity next week as Victor is here. How could I possibly have imagined some nearly 30 years ago when we're at Calvary Chapel Vista, here's this young man freshly out of the United States Marine Corps who quite frankly was a jerk. Uh, he, he, you know, his head was messed up like you can't imagine. And now when you get to meet him, how my faith, our faith, Connie and I's faith, is encouraged by Victor and Eileen's faith and how they've walked in the Lord, how they've been used of God, and how God is using them to this day to reach thousands all over the world. It's an amazing thing. What can you say? But God is good. God is awesome. And He is able. For all the joy, notice this, with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. Do you ever look at other people's lives that you've invested in as a source of rejoicing in your own? You should. You should. You should be looking where you have made spiritual investment in other people's lives and rejoicing in what God is doing. You get to say yes and amen and thank you, Jesus. That one person that, that you shared with And maybe you planted and someone else watered and they came to faith in Christ and all of a sudden they're walking with the Lord and you look at what God is doing in their lives and you say, God, how could I possibly say thank you enough for what you have done? You see, we get that wonderful joy as we stand fast, as we fight hard, as we labor in prayer, as we are used of the Lord, there is joy that comes with that. It's not all drudgery, amen? 
It's not all the, the battle itself. We get to rejoice in the midst of the battle. And he says, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face. He says, look, I, I would just love to see you personally, what God has done. I, I get this opportunity quite, quite frequently. So we travel around and we teach at these conferences all over the world. As God uses us, and you, don't, you can't take any credit for it, you can't take any glory for it, but when you see the face of that person, when you speak to them and you see that they're walking with the Lord and that fruit is remaining, it's abounding, what can you say? You just desire to see them and know that they're doing well and perfect what is lacking, to come alongside and say, hey, is there anything else I can do for you? Is there some way that I can be used in that person's life? You see what's in view here is that wonderful hope that as we invest in kingdom things, other people stand fast in the faith through the investment you have made in their life. You know, Paul uh, says it here, and then John in his letters to the church in, in 3 John, in verse 4, he says it this way. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to know that the investment I've made in other people's lives is still bearing fruit in their life. There's a lot of things you can do in this life that don't pay any investment. Amen? Amen. Uh, you, you can, I, I mean, it's crazy the things that people put their time, their talent, their treasure into that give no return on their investment. It's staggering. We were sitting, Connie and I were down at the, down at the harbor yesterday and we watched these waves break over the breakwater. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching these people bring their sailboats in from out, you know, out in the middle of Santa Monica Bay. And I'm going, man, every one of those things, there's 100,000 there, there's 100,000 there, and there's 200,000 there, and they're coming in. You're watching these waves and they're heading in. You go, man, all they got to do is flip that thing over. It's gone. It's done. It's over. Time, talent, treasure. You used to have one of those. I'm like, I, I, I sit there and I think about it. And, and now you turn your attention to things that truly matter, and that's investing for the kingdom in other people's lives. There's a reason that we do what we do. There's a reason that we have the calling that's been placed upon us. And it's a special love. There's a special love that we have for each other and for those that we minister to. You eventually realize this as you're, as you're used for the Lord. All of a sudden, it's like, these are the people I've gone to war with. These are my battle buddies. You talk to anybody that's been in the heat of battle, law enforcement is the same way. When you've been in the trenches, when you've been in a firefight, when you've been through a battle, there's a certain camaraderie that happens. My grandfather was one of the very few people that was stationed on the USS Arizona in Pearl Harbor when it was hit. He was on a shore contingent. He lived through it. There's only 45 or so of those individuals that were stationed on the Arizona but were not on the ship at the time it was bombed. My grandfather was one of those. He was absolutely in agony his whole life and became socially dysfunctional because of it. Because he felt like he wanted to die with those men that were trapped in that ship. There was a camaraderie that happened. They'd been to war together. Do you have that sense of camaraderie with your brothers and sisters in Christ? 
that you couldn't live without them? And if you did, you'd be missing something? Do you have that type of love for the other people that you're serving the Lord with? Because it is a special love. And it's a love that transcends all of our differences. It's something that grows in us as we grow in Him. And so Paul gives us some of these things that we can look at, that we can see, that are the strengths of this relationship. And it's time-tested. It's battle-tested. And so he gives us, in that sense, a report from the front lines of the battle. Timothy's coming back from being up in Thessalonica. He's traveled down to Athens. Paul is actually going to transfer from Athens just across the isthmus over to Corinth, where he'll write these letters. But he gets a report, and this is really the response. And you'll notice there in verse 7, in all of our affliction and distress. So he begins by saying, look, these things when they come, they, they bring something into my life. When I hear that you're doing okay in the midst of your affliction and in the midst of your distress... It's this beautiful picture that is really the story of the the entirety of the book of Acts that we're in right now on Sunday nights. The Apostle Paul is making these missionary journeys. He's traveling from place to place. The dude gets stoned and left for dead. And he gets back up and he goes right on doing what he's been called to do. You you see, affliction's going to come. Distress is going to come. You're going to have that pressure. It can be internal. It can be external. But when you possess faith, and notice what it says, when we, are, we were comforted concerning you by your faith, have you ever thought about your own life as people watch you go through affliction and distress? When the tempter comes and tempts you, when the pressure comes from the outside, when the pressure comes from the inside, When you go through stuff in life, have you ever thought that as you do that, you're actually encouraging other believers as you go through those trials? As you're afflicted, as you go through that time where where you're asking God those very deep questions, Lord, why did you allow me to get cancer? Lord, why have I lost my spouse? Why are my children going through these things? Have you ever thought that in the midst of all of that, as you go through those things, honoring the Lord, that you're actually encouraging other people by showing them what really faith, what real faith looks like as it's working, as it's being used? You see, those circumstances that you go through are God's opportunity. The circumstances you go through are God's opportunity to show other people what it means to walk with the Lord. Now, admittedly, most of us are not looking for God to give us those opportunities. Amen? We're not all, you know, oh, Lord, please, you know, could I have some distress today? Could I please be afflicted? No, we don't ask for those things, but when they come, when they happen to you, because they will. You may be going through a wonderful time right now, and you're not experiencing those things. But your day will come. Your time will come. Those of us that have been around for a while, we're all going to, amen. You're, you're all going, I hope not. But your time will come. You may lose a job. 
You may lose someone that you love deeply. You may become sick. You may have something that's terminal. The question is, what's going to happen to others when they see you go through those things? How will your response be used? Notice there's joy when we stand fast. Look, the simple fact of the matter is we're not these little isolated islands of humanity. We were meant to be social creatures. God created us that way to have fellowship. And so our lives, like it or not, are interconnected. So when you go through those tribulations, when you go through those trials, when the affliction comes upon you, notice what it says in verse 8. For now we live great joy. I'm really alive, Paul's saying. If you stand fast in the Lord. It brought joy into Paul's life, into Timothy's life, to witness the faith of the church in Thessalonica. As those afflictions came, as they encountered their, their ups. You know, here's the crazy thing in the Christian life. When, when people that we know and are interconnected with have their ups, we have ups. When they have downs, we have downs. We sorrow with those who are sorrowing. We mourn with those who mourn. We have joy with those who have joy. We're in it together. Where the ship goes, I always laugh. You know, when I, when I board airplanes, sometimes I watch the people getting on planes. And it's like, I, it, it seems like some of the people on the plane think that the front of the plane is going to a different place than the back of the plane. You ever notice that? They're like, you know, they're like all cranky. It's like, oh, we'll just get after each other. It's like, it's like, look, we're all going to the same destination. That's true with the body of Christ. We're all going to the same destination. But you may be seated next to somebody that you don't really enjoy right now. You may be going through something. I, I'm one of those people, I always get seated next to somebody who wants to, you know, who wants to talk. And, and I'm, I'm kind of one of those people, when I'm flying, it's like my time to kind of check out. And God always sends somebody alongside of me that needs to, you know, it's like a two and a half hour counseling session. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, couldn't I just have, I just want to sit here. And then you get a chance to invest in that person's life. And you get a chance to pray with people. And you realize we're all going to the same place. It, it gives you joy to just stand fast. Let God use you all day, every day. Can I tell you, my faith has been encouraged by many of you. And I sit here and watch as, as we do life together. How you handle those things encourages me. It encourages my family. You are a blessing to us. It's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. It goes both ways. You see, we have to be careful, though, because sometimes we, we kind of seemingly get to the edges of those things. But God will never allow you to be tested or pushed too far. Scripture is very clear on this. There in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you want to turn there, it's verses 12 and 13. And it says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You see, don't get lifted up with your standing. 
is the word there. Don't think just because you're standing right now that it's going to always be easy. Because you'll, you'll have your day in, in, in the tough things. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. You know, you may have already gone through something and survived it quite well. But there are others who will struggle with that same place and vice versa. Other people have been through things you've not been through. So you have to be careful. Don't get too prideful about how well you're doing. Because as sure as you're doing well, it may not be so tomorrow. For tomorrow is promised to no man. Amen? We don't know what tomorrow holds. We just know who holds it. Amen? And praise the Lord for that. Notice what it says. But God is faithful. But God is faithful. Amen? God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able But with that temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to, notice what it says, it's very important that you see this, that you may be able to bear it. It doesn't say that you'll like it. It doesn't say that it's going to be, you know, just circumstantially somehow made good. Those things may come to you and they may still be painful, but you'll be able to bear the pain. God knows how much you can take. And I can take. And when he gives us those things to take, what he's really doing is giving you an opportunity to show other people what it's like to be able to thrive in the midst of an adverse environment. To really grow in such a way that people look at it and go, man, your God is huge. Your God is awesome. Whoever it is that you follow, I want to follow him because I just watched you go through that trial. I've done a lot of memorial services. And when you sit there with people and their their loved one is dying and they're taking their last breath, you know, sometimes this is going to sound strange to some of you. Those are some of the most encouraging times that I've ever had in ministry. Someone's life is coming to a close, but with their dying breath, they're glorifying the Lord. I've seen people get saved while someone's dying. I've sat in hospital rooms with entire families singing praise songs to the Lord while someone takes their last breath. And then people listening in the hallway come in. I've seen nurses give their lives to Christ because there's family and they're praising God. Hallelujah. Do you look at your life as that kind of an opportunity? Whether you live or whether you die, no matter what comes your way, God's not going to give you more than you're able to bear. But he wants to use it all so that other people will stand fast when they see your faith. And to that end, all the the glory belongs to God. Amen? In the midst of those types of things, no one can take credit for that. It's the Lord at work in you. Verse 9 For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before God. When you think of those things, when you see that work going on in someone's life, when you see that restored marriage, when you see that child come back into the family, when you see that person who was formerly a drug abuser that's now sober, 
when you watch that person's life that was headed on a one-way path to destruction be turned around, all the credit belongs to God. Amen? Amen. And all you can say is, praise the Lord. God is good. And you just rejoice in it. And family, we want to have that heart because it is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in His sight. That 116th Psalm says it slightly different. It says, what shall I render to the Lord for all His many benefits to me? For all the things that He allows us to be a part of. It's just a joy to be a part of what God is doing. Paul surely knew the role that he played in the Thessalonians' lives. He he knew that the Lord used him. I know that God somehow uses me. But you know what? He can make that guitar talk to all y'all. He could. He He doesn't need me. For some reason, he's chosen to bless me with the opportunity to be able to do this. And so he gets all the glory. It's his doing. It's not me. It's not you. It's not us. It's him. And so we give him the glory for what he does. And we do that day and night. We do that with exceeding prayer. You you see, he says there in verse 10, Night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face. And perfect what is lacking in your faith. You see, when you get engaged in, at that level, you're all in. It's like, God, whatever you need from me, that's what I want to do. Wherever you want me to go, that's where I want to be. I want to carve out that time that, Lord, let me dedicate myself to you. I got up really here. For some reason, I was up pretty early this morning, even for me. And I get up early on Sundays. But I thought, great, I'm up a little early. I'll have a little extra prayer time. My two silly dogs would not give me three seconds to pray. It's like I'd start to pray and they'd think something's wrong. They're over licking my hands and my feet. And it's like, what's going on? You see, fighting hard sometimes just means praying hard. You got to pray through. You got to push on. And so Paul makes some simple prayer requests here. He says, look, I I long to see you. I just want to see you. I want to know that you're doing good. I I, want to come alongside. If there's something that you need, I want to be that thing that you need. He gives us some keys to fighting hard and to finishing strong. And at the end, that's what we want to do, amen? Amen. I don't want to crawl across the finish line of ministry. I I don't want to have to be dragged across the finish line of ministry. I'd I'd like to finish well. And in order to do that, we need to fight hard. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be times that we're going to have to really put some effort into it. And I believe that's what's in place here. Look, you can't minister to people if you don't like people. Amen? You kind of need to be around people if you want to minister to people. Some people think like, well, I, I, I'd like to minister to people, but I don't like people. <laughs> there, there needs to be a heart's desire to actually be invested in other people's lives. And so he says, I, I'd like to see you face to face. 
And the word that he says, uses perfect here, it's actually perfect. It's not perfect, as in totally complete and lacking nothing. It means perfecting. In other words, putting in what is needed. It means helping people with their broken parts. Are you willing to help people with their broken parts? Because there's a lot of broken parts. As a matter of fact, most of us are broken parts. Amen? We all have our issues. Some of us, our issues have issues. Some of us, we don't even know anybody who doesn't have more issues than things that are well. Look, we are all broken in some way, shape, or form. The question is, are you going to be used to help someone else's brokenness? Or are you just going to identify the problem? You know, it's amazing to me how many people can point fingers and say, you're broken. You've got this problem or that problem, but they're unwilling to be used to perfect. That word actually means to heal. It's used of setting bones. It's used of outfitting an army. It's used of preparing people to go on a journey. It's used of manning a ship. It means whatever you need, I'm going to put in what you need. Not what I need, what you need. Don't be one of those people who believes that fighting hard is isolating yourself from everyone else. If you're going to fight hard, you need to get in there and fight for your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Be used in their lives. Come alongside. And it's especially true for people who don't know the Lord. They'll never know the Lord if you won't fight for them. If you won't come alongside and say, look, I I want to be used of God. And to that end, we want to help others grow in faith. Can I ask you a question? Is your level of faith the same as it was when you first got saved? I hope not. I hope not. But can I tell you something? For a lot of people, it's largely unchanged. They accepted the grace gift, but they haven't moved an inch. They're still right there as a babe in Christ. And here's the chief reason why. They won't let God use those difficulties in their life. They're still drinking milk in that sense. Just as Paul wrote to the churches, Peter would echo those same things there in 1 Peter chapter 2. You see, they don't really want to grow in grace because they don't want to be in any way, shape, or form inconvenienced. They don't want to face a challenge. They want everything smooth. They want everything easy. And they attempt to, to work their lives so that they never get tested. Look, immaturity is a serious spiritual disease. If you're not growing at the very best, you're stagnant. Now, I don't know about you, I don't like stagnant water. But even worse, maybe you're going backwards. Maybe you're backsliding. You, you see, we don't want to be there. We want to grow. And, and in order to grow, think of this, you need to be challenged. In order to grow, you need to be challenged. I need to be challenged. I need to face something today that maybe I've never faced before. I need to face something that 
test my faith that I already have in a new way or maybe in a more difficult way. In order to grow, you have to be tested. It's the only way you grow. Otherwise, you just use what you already have. And so the picture here as this passage wraps up is one of maturity. It's one of strengthening. It's the one of building up those deficiencies. It's while we're still here, recognizing there's still work to do. Amen? You, You see, for each of us, while you're still here on this earth, while I'm still here, while we're still here together, you are a work in progress, and so am I. There's still growth that can occur in all of our lives, mine included. But the way I get to that growth is is by taking some new challenges. Finding some new mountains to climb. And I want to leave you with a thought. And it comes from Joshua chapter 14. Turn there if you would, Joshua 14. We'll pick up in verse 10. And while you're finding that passage... Remember the story of the children of Israel. They have wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. Amen? And they come to the edge of the promised land. They're at Kadesh Barnea. And they're looking into the promised land. They can see the promised land. And they send in the spies. Most of them come back with the report, no way on this earth are we going there. Amen? There's giants. There are some Anakim there, the sons of Anak. Now the children of Israel have been in the land for 45 years. They're getting ready to divide up the land, and this is the best analogy that I can give you because it comes directly from Scripture of a mountain to climb, of not ever being satisfied with where you are, of fighting hard right to the end. Verse 10. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, and this is Caleb, as he has said these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. 45 years of fighting the good fight. Now you would think this is time to find a golf course. (laughs) Little condo, no backyard, downsize. And yet, as yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was was then, so now is my strength for war both for going out and coming in. Does this sound like somebody is looking for a golf course? Uh-uh. Verse 12. And now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. He says, not only do I not want the fertile valley with the golf course, I want the mountain, and oh, by the way, stick the giants on it. That the cities were great and fortified, that it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Amen? That is a picture 
of fighting hard to the very end. That is someone who's unwilling to say, you know, Lord, I'd like to take it easy. I've done my part. I'm kind of tired of investing in other people's lives. And I'd really rather not hear of anyone's problems right now. That is someone whom we can all model and say, Lord, give me another mountain. And oh, by the way, put some giants on there because I want to know that it's you. Give me a mountain with giants. You see, you will absolutely have serious faith if that's your view. Because notice what he says. The Lord promised to do it. He'll do it. The Lord has promised to complete in you that which he begun. Amen? Let's let him do that. Let's fight hard and let's grow in faith. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and we'll pray together. So worship team comes back out. Maybe you've suffered a setback this week. Maybe you got challenged a little bit by the message today because you are one of those people that could say, you know, I really haven't grown much. Let me give you the good news. God wants to change that today. And he is able to change that today. And he's not mad at you. He loves you. And furthermore, if you don't know him and you want to get started on that journey of faith today, he loves you and he's calling out to you right now to take a step of faith. Church, would you bow your heads? Uh, And I'm going to ask you who are believers here today to just pray for those that maybe are in the congregation that don't know you. And I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and you do not know the Lord Jesus, you don't even know what faith really is at this point in time. You're, You're kind of wondering what this faith journey is about. But you do know what the fight's been about. You've been fighting hard and you haven't been winning but you want to receive Christ, if that's you today, if you just slip your hand up right where you're at, I want to pray with you that you'd receive Christ to see that hand in the back. Praise the Lord. Are there any others? I'm going to pray with you right where you are. Just raise your hand. Don't be ashamed of the Lord because He loves you. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? I see that hand as well. I see that hand as well. Another hand and another hand. And there's hands up all over the sanctuary. Anyone else? Please, please don't miss the opportunity. I see that hand as well. Praise God. Praise the Lord. God is speaking to you right now. And I see that hand as well. And another, and another, and another. Just leave your hands up for just a moment longer. We're going to pray right where you're at. That hand as well. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You see, God so loves you. Oh, praise God. You see that hand? Praise God. Now, here's what I want you to do. You, you see, you can put your hands down now, those of you who've raised your hands. And I want you to pray with me. A very simple prayer. 
Because Jesus came to this earth and he died for you in your place so that you could be saved. And in doing so, he paved the way for you to walk by faith. And so would you pray with me? Just pray these words out loud. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner. I recognize that I need a Savior. And I want to walk by faith, but I need you to help me to do that. And so I'm committing my life to you, Jesus. And I'm asking you to come in and take up residence in my life. Lord, I need you. I'm asking you to forgive my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I believe by faith you will do that. As we start this journey, would you write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life? Lord, I want to walk with you the rest of my days. And I thank you, and I praise you, and I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.